All right. Here we go. Another episode of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. We have so, so much to cover today. And I have to apologize for our absence last week. That really was my fault. Um, I, uh, I was super busy last week applying to schools, finishing up school um, um, in the middle of a job change. So I was, I was super busy last week. So last week, not filming, that's on me. That's not Sam's fault. Um, so I'll just I'll put that out there right now. Sam, I'm sorry we couldn't get to it last week, uh, but that just means we have, a re- we have a lot to get to today. Yeah, man, let's get into it. I'm really excited. Uh, we got a, a nice week off break, so we got to bring the energy today. Absolutely. And this is uh, going to go live um, on Tuesday. So we're, this is the, this is filming uh, Monday. So we're not going to have, we're not going to film obviously on Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everybody. We hope you have a wonderful uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas uh, spending time with your family or friends, whichever, however you choose to celebrate. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. And uh, we hope that this episode can, uh, I don't know. Can be can be something nice. Also for you, this is our Christmas gift to you. This is our Christmas gift to you. God, that is and, so uh, big headed. I know. <laughs> I know. We are, but we hey, are a gift to society. But here's the thing. I'm I'm more specifically talking about Dom because Dom's back with us this week. God, so, right. <laughs> so Dom, welcome back. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. It's good to be back. All right, dude. We got a lot to cover with college football this weekend, so. Uh, let's get right into it. What do you think of the uh, the final four? I hate the uh, okay. I love the first two. Love the first two. Think that's perfectly spot on. I think that the last six are absolute garbage. Um, I am. I'm shocked. This here's the thing about this. I knew that this was going to happen. I, I kind of figured after. The conference championships ended like they did um, when Clemson won the ACC against Notre Dame, thirty-four to ten. OSU won the Big Ten, and Bama won the SEC. I knew that that was kind of going to shape the the college football playoff, and there, those three spots weren't really going to be changed. Even though I didn't think OSU really deserved the three spot, that's one of the most controversial things that people are talking about right now. Um, but I knew that it was kind of going to shape up like that. Now, the, the whole controversy also revolves around who got that fourth spot. And, of course, that's Notre Dame. And, yes, Notre Dame did defeat Clemson earlier in the season in double overtime against their backup quarterback, which I know their quarterback, their backup quarterback still really good. They've got really good, you know, a really good defense that was damaged at the time. But, they came into this ACC championship and they got obliterated against the healthy Clemson team. Notre Dame did 34 to 10. And to me, you can't lose a game against somebody that you could potentially play in the playoff for a third time and still get in. I, I don't understand how that happens. It was a 24 point loss. It was for the most part, a 31 point loss until they Notre Dame scored a garbage time touchdown I just I don't understand how they got in there. I think Texas A and M got robbed. I think that they deserve that fourth spot. Either way, both of these teams is gonna they're gonna have to play the Alabama offensive buzzsaw and they're gonna get destroyed. That is my that's my pick. I, I don't see anybody in that fourth spot really surpassing us and getting into the second round. So, you know, maybe they won't play Clemson again. Maybe Notre Dame won't get that that third shot to face Clemson, but I just don't understand why you even take that chance to begin with. I think Notre Dame's audition yesterday was a failure, but somehow due to the uh, the 
I don't know. I, I, if it's an ego thing with the college football playoff, um, they said that it came down to who Notre Dame and Texas A&M lost to. And they were comparing a 28-point loss by Texas A&M uh, to Alabama. And they were also comparing a 24-point loss that happened in the ACC championship game between Clemson and Notre Dame. And apparently they thought that because Notre Dame had one more ranked win against North Carolina – that they deserve to not fall out of the top four and stay in at the fourth spot. Now, the well, hang on, hang on, because because yes. as somebody as somebody who doesn't pay attention to college football as as in depth as you do, just from a, a mathematical and like logic standpoint, to me that sounds like that makes sense. So, like, why 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 is there so much controversy over that? If if both Texas A and M and Alabama, I mean not. Alabama and Notre Dame both got blown out respectively by, you know, Clemson and Alabama, but yet Notre Dame had one more ranked win. Then, I mean, I guess to me, logically that makes sense. Right. Where that kind of, where to me that doesn't quite add up is Texas A&M's loss happened in the, the third week of the season. It was back in October where they lost to Alabama. Since then, they've rattled off eight straight wins in the SEC, which is full bias here, but arguably one of the best conferences in the entire country. They rattled off eight straight wins in the SEC. They were consistent. They were Each win was by about 20 points. And Notre Dame's most recent loss is a blowout to Clemson that happened two days ago where they lost to a team that they potentially could have faced that's of the same quality as the other three teams in the playoff, and they lost by 24 points. They looked absolutely lost out there. And so by the eye test, which is one of the biggest things that the college football playoff uses to determine their top four, Notre Dame didn't pass. The, they passed the eye test for the duration of the season, but once it comes to playing the big dogs, they failed. And Texas A&M did play one of the four playoff contenders, yes, and they lost. But that was way earlier in the season. And since then, this is a much more prepared and together Texas A&M team. And they've showed that throughout the season. And so that was the biggest thing. And it, it, it came down to the mathematics. It came down to little small details in their schedule. They decided to give Notre Dame the edge. However, when Notre Dame eventually loses, and they're most likely going to lose big, it's a, currently a 20-point line in Vegas right now the country is going to be an uproar and Texas A&M fans, especially their, their head coach, Jimbo Fisher was very outspoken against, uh, against this. Um, well, he, he wasn't <laughs> outwardly expressing that. However, before the rankings came out, he was very um, vehement as to who he thought should be in. Um, and since then, of course, as a coach, you're, you're supposed to hold your tongue, but um, it's clear that this is a very angry playoff, uh, very angry Texas A&M team because they got robbed of the playoff. Now, the second takeaway for me is that Cincinnati was absolutely disrespected. Um, Cincinnati is 11-0. They uh, 11-0 or 10-0. They, regardless, they're undefeated, and they won their conference. They won their conference championship yesterday um, against Tulsa, who is a ranked team, and they got put at eight. They got put at eight behind a three-loss Florida team. Uh, behind a two-loss Oklahoma team, which, granted, they are the Big 12 champion. But it's clear where the playoff committee's uh, loyalties as well as um, biases lie. 
they are not going to reward group of five teams, which group of five, of course, is uh, non-power five. They're not in the Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, or ACC. They're in the American Athletic Conference, which is one of the smaller conferences, but they've completely dominated. They've looked like they could play in some of the, the bigger conferences this entire year, and they have several ranked wins. And the playoff committee continued to move them back for winning. And it's clear that there is, they're not going to give a group of five team a shot to get into the playoffs unless a few things happen. One, there's either incentives for scheduling, meaning the bigger conferences schedule group of five teams and they, those teams begin to win. Two, uh, the CFP playoff conditions change, meaning they change their criteria for how do you get in. They give you a, a complete roadmap of this is how your team could get into the playoff. Or three, they change the playoff and make it an eight-team playoff with an expansion. And I think the last option is most likely. I think that that's what they should do. But um, they have continued to state that they like the four-team – the playoff committee has continued to state they like the four-team playoff and there will be no change to it in the near future. Now, that should be moving that way. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, teams that are very unhappy with how it's been going. Um, I'm sure A&M as well as Cincinnati could – write some very angry letters to the playoff committee, but um, those are really the two biggest takeaways from this. They they disrespected A&M and they disrespected Cincinnati. And until they clarify what you need to do to get into the college football playoff, um, there's just going to continue to be little uh, circumstances that don't quite add up little things that, you know, the the biases are shown. And I think the overall takeaway from this guys, and and I kind of want your, your thoughts on this from an outside perspective there, the the same teams continue to win their conferences, and I think this is really unhealthy for college football because you have Alabama that won the SEC, Clemson won the ACC, Ohio State won the Big Ten, uh, uh, Oklahoma won the Big Twelve, and congratulations, Sam, your four and two Pac twelve Duck won the Pac twelve. Hey, Pac Pac twelve is a joke, man. I was just I was so hoping that the most undeserved Pac twelve winner of all time actually got it done, and Oregon did. Woo! Let's go, Dubs, baby. Let's go, Dubs. Come at me. Uh, <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. I mean, you're also in a New Year's Six Bowl, which is absolutely hilarious. You went from from you know going to the, the Valero Alamo Bowl last week to playing in the the Pac-12 championship, winning it, and now going into a New Year's Six Bowl um, just because of playoff bursts. You know what? Alabama, just... Oregon, they're equal. Both champions of their conferences. Let's go. Let's right, go, let's, let's come. Let's calm down. Let's come on. Let's let's not. Don't, don't say anything you're going to regret. All right. That's yeah. I think that was. Uh, it's just so funny how that. I I'd love to hear because we didn't get a chance to have you um, talk about it last week. Just a little bit. If you're you you were touching on Cincinnati and Texas A&M having gripes with this this whole thing, but Washington got hosed. I know it was for a completely different reason for COVID reasons, but. Just talk about that, like how awful that is for a uh, a college to go through to miss no, a chance. It, yeah, it it absolutely is, and and of course, COVID nineteen, the um, the all all the protocols that not only the Big Ten but the Pac twelve passed, um, they really inhibit their teams. I know the the Big Ten actually just removed one of their, or at least shortened one of their requirements where. Originally, players were supposed to sit out for 21 days if they had COVID-19 or even if I believe they were contact traced and, and they had to get clear, um, uh, they had to, to be cleared to play. 
they shortened it to 17 days, and that was affecting uh, Ohio State because they actually won their conference championship with 22 players out due to this protocol. And uh, the Pac-12, I mean, they're canceling games left and right, as you know, and for Washington to not be able to play in this game, it's terrible. I mean, they went from potentially winning the Pac-12 um, and getting into a New Year's Six Bowl game uh, to nothing, right. you know, uh, essentially nothing. And so um, it's terrible. It's terrible for them. I feel very bad for them. But, again, the Pac-12, I mean, it's just it's so joke. tough to come in. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. And it's <laughs> it, also it was a joke very... this year. This year is a joke. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's true. It's, it's very hard to come in halfway through the season and expect your – your uh, conference to compete on the same level of teams that have already been playing for six weeks um, and, and expect to be ranked the same. So uh, yeah, it's, I feel terrible for them, but um, you know, go, go ducks, I guess they're, they're going to be playing. Uh, they're going to be playing in a, in a new year's six bowl game, which is well, incredible. They're opening people's eyes, Dom. They're opening guys' eyes like yourself. Really? Yeah. Are they? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, Dom. So I got. I have. I have one. One last question for you, because you were talking about. Uh, obviously, we started with the CFB ranking, and, and I wanted to, because uh, you seemed like you disagreed with the ranking, and you were talking about Cincinnati a lot, and so if you, Dom, were the sole proprietor and owner of creating the playoffs, what four teams would you have put in? So I would have actually. I would have kept Alabama at one. I would have kept Clemson at two. And then I would have had Texas A&M at three and Ohio State at four. Jeez. Um, and that's just purely because uh, I, I just think I, I think Notre Dame, again, they had their audition. The conference championships act as like a mini audition for the playoff. There's never been a conference championship loser, not a not a not one who actually played in the conference championship, but one who lost their conference championship game and got into the playoff. And Notre Dame was the first to do that. So I I, I just don't agree with them being in there. I, I also don't think that I don't think that Cincinnati could hang with the top four. But I'm saying that they were very much disrespected. It's one thing mm-hmm. to get very close like a, like the five spot and not get in as a group of five team but being ranked at eight when there are teams ahead of you that have three losses i mean florida lost to three different teams they lost to texas a&m alabama and lsu and still they're going to put them ahead of a undefeated cincinnati team i think that that is absolutely disrespectful cincinnati deserves to be probably at that five spot I, and I, I don't think the four-team playoff works anymore i think there are too many teams that deserve to have a shot um i think an eight team would be much more sound who who wouldn't want to see the best audition for cincinnati which would play out right here is can they hang with alabama they would play alabama in the first round of a uh, 18 playoff and if they can beat them they deserve to be there but until then they're not going to get that shot so uh that, that, those would be my top four alabama clemson a&m and um uh, Ohio State. Well, and the thing too with this year that I heard a lot was if there was ever a year to implement an expanded playoffs, you're you couldn't have gotten. And I know this. I'm not trying to downplay COVID in any way, but your excuse this year, you got the perfect excuse for doing it in with COVID because there were so many 
different things and different factors that happened this year that if you really just wanted a test run season, you had a perfect line that you could say to the public and, well, every team got affected by COVID this year. We couldn't really uh, have the same validity necessarily in our top four that we normally do. So we're going to expand it because a bunch of teams got hit and affected by it. They're, they had an excuse like written there for them to expand it just to try it out. And even if it didn't work, then they can just go back to the four teams next year. But they had, they had everything in their favor to do it. And to, they, they had all the reason in the world to at least try it. Oh yeah, no, they absolutely did. And uh, again, they didn't. And you will, you will find that the college football playoff committee is one of the most, stubborn administrations in sports. And I, I think that, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's very clear that this committee has shown that four teams just causes way too much controversy. And, and people will argue and say, well, if you, if you move it to eight teams, there's always still going to be controversy. Yes, th- that's true. It doesn't matter. There was still controversy with the BCS at, at, with two teams, you know, that's why they changed it to four. You're going to continue to have controversy. That's not going to go away. What is beneficial is giving more teams it's it's more healthy for college football when the same teams continue to get in every single year. I think Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State have been in it. The top three, it's funny that they're ranked one, two, and three, because I believe that in terms of how many times they've gotten in, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are one, two, and three for how many times they've been in the college football playoff. The same teams get in every year. If you let more teams in, you get more parity. It's more interesting for the fans. It's more interesting for outside viewers to bring more people in. The sport of college football needs to have more parity. And I and I, I know as, a, as an Alabama fan, I'm very hypocritical for saying that, you know, the same teams are winning over and over and over. I get it. But I, I'm fully capable of understanding that it's a, a somewhat healthy for Alabama to lose from time to time. It keeps people interested. It's same for Clemson and Ohio State. Um, and so I think that expanding a playoff is just the best thing for the long-term health of the sport. I agree. I agree. And it uh and to sort of put a, a bow on this, it's kind of like, you know, in the NFL, like what the, because because the college football playoffs only has four teams, what you don't get is uh storylines like you get in like the NFL. Like remember when the Giants made it all the way to the Super Bowl and they were a wild card and the Eagles a couple of years ago, you don't get these teams that come from left field and sort of have Cinderella stories. I mean, hell, even the Heat this year, if you want to go to the NBA, weren't expected to go all the way to the the finals, but because you have this gigantic parody of teams, you you leave the door open for more variety in who you're going to see in the finals. And yeah, I agree. When you just leave the same three teams pretty much in there uh, every single year, at least one of them, if not two, and and you know more than likely two of them are always going to be in the championship. So, um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. They they. Uh, in a world, I mean, in a year where everybody's, all the sports organizations were adjusting to COVID, it, it's weird that uh, college football didn't at least try to budge a little bit on this. So. Yeah. Sam, did you have something to say? Yeah, I got, um, just really quickly, I think the top four is correct. I think they got it right. Um, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, um, I'd reward Notre Dame for being the second best team for most of the year. Um, they had a win against a number one team this year. I think that just creates a lot of um, gravitas going into this argument when you're going against someone, two teams that didn't win their um, conference championships. Um, but 
I think the college football playoff committee won't. I think they're very against expanding the playoffs because when they say these are the best four teams in college football, they want to be validated with that by them putting those teams putting on good shows and then the eventual winner coming out. If they were to expand it to then an eight and say a Cincinnati went on to win the college football championship and they didn't have them at number one, it discredits their rankings. And I think that really just goes counterintuitive to what they would want from, that's why they wouldn't expand in my eyes. Yeah. I, can I, can I respond to that? Do we have, do we have time for me to uh, just, yeah, one more, one more. Okay. Um, I listen, I, I hear what you're saying. I want to, I want to clarify that that number one win over Clemson earlier in the season was once again, that was Clemson on the road missing several of their starting players, including their Heisman contending quarterback. And also that was a double overtime loss by one position. And so the, and furthermore, when hey, they, lo- hey, when they Dom, lost Dom, I yes. do this every week with Jason, when we talk about the Raiders or we talk about the Steelers, when they were undefeated, a win's a win. Notre Dame has no choice, no uh, power to whether Trevor Lawrence plays or not. They played the Clemson Tigers on the field that day, and they played them well, and they won. That's It's simple as that. Yes. They also played them a month and a half ago and just got blown out by 24 points when they played them a second time when they were healthy in a neutral site, which completely discredits the first time they played. Uh, no, teams are different. I don't think it, it doesn't discredits dis- them, truthfully. Like, no. Come on, Dom. Come on, man. No, I, I, I won't come on. I fully believe that that does discredit them. I, I really do. I, I fully believe that that, that discredits the, the win from before. I, so, I think that it shows that this was – they did play a, a, an undermanned Clemson team. And I – personally, I would put those two head-to-head, and I kind of – I would throw one of them out. So who, what, um, did, what did Texas A&M do – to get in. Well, we can't. We can't, we can't, we can't get, go down this huge. Yeah, we can't go down this rabbit hole because we're just going to keep going for forever and ever on this. Um, Dom, I, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you're able to come back on this week. I hope that we can get you on next week. Um, as always, you make the show sound ten times smarter than we actually are. Um, and uh, I hope, uh, I hope you have a, a wonderful time uh, uh, celebrating Christmas. Hey guys, thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Dom. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. All right. Um, You know, and just to sort of finish up on that, I get where he's coming from. I really do. I really do. But I, you know, I agree with you way more, Sam, in the sense that, like, I don't think that it – you can't just completely throw out the win from earlier in the year – just because they played again and then they got blown out. I mean, it. every game is completely different and has completely different circumstances surrounding well, this them. This is why college football and when their rankings come out is so captivating. There's so much up for debate. And there's no way that they could please every single person in America. There's just no way. And it's yeah. so it, – it adds to the sport because of the um, – uh, just because it's up for debate, it's up to opinion of these 
of this committee. It's not looking at it purely based off of records. Um, and I think it definitely yeah. adds that that bit to the sport. Um, I would have, we could talk about that. I mean, shows talk about, they fill up full hour long blocks with just talking about these different things that we could have gone in and discussed um, up for Dom. I, I want to say um, me and you are, you and I are just mere mortals when it comes to understanding the intricacies of college football compared to Dom. So whatever for he sure. says goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, tell you what we do know a little bit about, though. We do know a little bit about the NFL. So let's get into the NFL. Uh, we'll go to week 15. We didn't get to talk about week 14, um, so we're not going to because that's, uh, <laughs> that's not relevant Oops. at the moment. Yeah, that's, again, my bad. Uh, so Thursday – Thursday, the Raiders and the Chargers squared off on Thursday Night Football. They went into overtime. The Chargers beat the Raiders 30-27, to even though they did everything that they could to try to lose that game. They actually ended up winning, uh, unfortunately. Um, the Bills beat the brakes off the Broncos. It was 48-19. to The Packers are now top the NFC as they beat the Panthers 24-16. The Colts beat the Texans 27-20. The Bears keep their playoff hopes alive. They beat the Vikings 33-27. to The Titans beat the Lions 46-25. to Seahawks beat Washington in a very, very close game 20-15. to The Dolphins beat the Patriots 22-12. to The Buccaneers come back against the Falcons, ironically enough, 24-7. That's what, they were, that's what the Falcons were up by. 31 to 27, Falcons lose. Ravens beat the Jaguars 40 to 14. The Cowboys beat the 49ers 41 to 33. The Cardinals in the Battle of the Birds against the Eagles, they win 33 to 26 over the Jalen Hurts led Eagles. The Jets, the Jets get a win. ETS, let's go, Jets. And with their win, they forfeit the number one pick to the Jaguars now. As the Jets are now the number two pick, they beat the Rams of all teams, 23-20. to 20. And in a potential Super Bowl preview, the Chiefs beat the Saints, 32-29. to 29, And the Browns beat the Giants, 20-6. to 6. And as at the time of recording, the Steelers and the Bengals, uh, they played tonight. I would tonight. assume that the Steelers get the win, though. I'm going to assume that as well. <laughs> as Cincinnati um, is now on their third-string quarterback. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's a lot that we can get into on this. Um, I think the I'll talk a little bit about the Raiders game since it was the uh, game on yep. Thursday. Um, so Derek Carr got hurt first drive. Uh, he's going to be out for, I, I think, a couple games, but there's only two games left. So I don't see a reason really to bring him back right now. Um I, my whole thought process with this is, and for those of you that don't know, Marcus Mariota is the backup quarterback, came in. He played great. Not going to discredit anything that he did. He played very well under the circumstances. Um, I still think moving forward, I still think Derek's their quarterback um, as well as Marcus Mariota played. Um, but I think if you're the Raiders, I think what you do is you you let Mariota play out the rest of the season and see if you can get some trade value for Mariota because Mariota, I believe, is a, is he's well, he was a starter for a very long time in the NFL, and I still think he's uh, very, very talented and can still be a starting quarterback 
in the NFL. He's just not on the right team at the moment. Um, so I think if you're the Raiders, what you do, you let him play out the season, see if he continues to play well, and then maybe try to get some trade value for him because you really need to sure up your defense. And now the offense this entire year really has not been the problem. For any of you who have been watching the Raiders, Derek Carr has not been the problem. The offense has not been the problem. The defense has been really, really hurting the Raiders. Their defense is horrible. They had they're, – they're just terrible. They, now, granted, they had four defensive starters out against the Chargers, and they switched defensive coordinators. But that's just but, one game, and when you look over the entire season – because their defensive coordinator got fired because yeah. they weren't playing well. No, they weren't. <laughs> So I think if you're the Raiders, you let Mariota play the rest of the season, and I think you try to get some trade value for him. Whether you get picks or whether you get defensive players, you try to sure up the defense because I still think Derek's your starting quarterback moving forward, but I also think you can get some value out of Mariota as well. So that was sort of my take um, after that game. As soon as Derek went down and Mariota started playing well, it was like, like, well, okay. He was definitely a shot of – a shot of energy in that game that they needed. Well, but I still think let's not let's not bear let's no, not go bury ahead. the lead, Jason. I don't want to cut you off before, but Justin Herbert played absolutely phenomenal in that game. Maybe it was because oh, did. O- or Oakland Vegas's secondary is doggy doo doo, and they pi anyone or they leave them open. There's, it's the only two, yeah. only two things that yeah. happen. Uh, but he looked great. Man, coming off of that, coming off of that game, the sports world was buzzing, saying that Herbert is a potential superstar in this league. It's awesome to see. Uh, but again, the Chargers did their best to lose this game, missing two late field goals, um, but just drove down any time oh, they wanted against this. Vegas not only defense. that, not only did they miss. Two field goals, but if you were watching, for anybody who was watching the last drive of the Chargers in overtime, they fumbled at the one-yard line. Justin Herbert tried to dive over the pile. Oh, my gosh. The ball actually got – the ball got knocked out of his hands and got recovered by the Chargers in the end zone. But by rule, you can't fumble and advance the ball forward. The only person who who could have theoretically picked up that ball was Justin Herbert. So they fumbled literally at the one-yard line and could have gave the Raiders a chance to recover that and try to drive down and score a field goal to win the game in overtime. But obviously the Chargers recovered it, and then Herbert scored on the next play. So not only did they miss two field goals, but they also fumbled pretty much in the Mm -hmm. end zone. So Sam's right. They did everything that they could have done to try to give that game away. And it would have been the most perfect Charger way to lose, fumbling at the one-yard line, especially over the past couple of years. It's really become a running joke in the NFL. But they pulled it out and, you know, credit them. And they pretty much effectively eliminated the Raiders from the playoffs. I think last night the number was 4% was the Raiders' chances of getting into the playoffs. So They have to win out and Miami lose out? Yeah, Miami has to lose out. They need a lot of help, but I, I'm I'm not looking at the playoffs. Yeah, the Raiders Raiders, so. uh, really good to see Mariota play. Uh, the dude deserves a shot. He's he was the second round pick. He was only been he he's only had one opportunity. I, it's it's really hard to say he's only had one opportunity because I feel like Tennessee gave him multiple opportunities, but he needs a different scene, an opportunity with a different team. Like the you know uh, what's up? 
You know where I think he could go? Uh, yeah, like you know what team? You know what team is uh, has the defense but doesn't have the quarterback? Let me see. Let me see. Well, don't say the Niners. And I, I'm not saying the Niners, but he could go to. I the would Niners. love to see him in Washington. I th- I was just about to say Washington. Ding ding ding! Thank you. Tell if he, one. If he goes. If he goes to Washington, I'm telling you, they upgrade their quarterback situation significantly. Now, granted, Alex Smith was playing really well. Yeah. He was. But Alex Smith is a terminator right now. Um, and he's also kind of up there in age. And Mariota's not super old, mind you. So he goes to Washington. And then the de- they already have they the have defense. Great coaching. Their defense great is defense. Absolutely. Great coaching, great defense. They, they need have a quarterback. Weapons and they need a quarterback. They have a good tight end in uh, Logan Thomas. They have good running backs in McKissick and Antonio Gibson. Like that team, we, we, we talk about the Colts being a quarterback away, the Bears being a quarterback away, but Washington sneakily looks Washington. like a super attractive place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If they get a quarterback, and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, when I posed the question, because I heard it on ESPN, what team is Matt Ryan away from winning the Super Bowl? Well, I don't know if Matt Ryan – I don't know if you're looking at – let's say hypothetically, you had the choice between Marcus Mariota and Matt Ryan. I still think you go Mariota because he's younger, and you give and him time to, to sort of acclimate. Yeah, and he's going to be cheaper. So, you know, we, <laughs> we a couple weeks ago – and. I hadn't heard anybody say it until last week. I hadn't heard anybody say it. We said it first. I am claiming it right now, whether or not uh, that's right or wrong. We had talked about, and actually I'll give Sam more, uh, all the credit, really, because it was his suggestion, um, was Carson Wentz to the Colts. So we had talked about that a long time ago, and just a week ago there were rumors about Carson Wentz actually going to the Colts potentially next season, especially if Jalen Hurts remains the starter, which it looks like he's going to. So uh, we're saying it now. I'm going to say it now and say you can hop on with me, but Marcus Mariota to Washington I think would be amazing. I love that pick. That would be a great – who knew that the Washington football team that for all these years has looked like the pinnacle of instability – now looks like with Ron Rivera, who's might win coach of the year, damn well deserves it mm-hmm. after battling cancer and pushing this Washington franchise to the playoffs. Yeah. Looks like the Jack Del Rio defensive doing a coordinator. Great job. They've invested so much into their defensive line onto that defensive side. Now they can focus on the offense. And if Mariota just comes in, stays healthy, biggest thing for him. I think if Washington invests in, in Mariota, Keeps a Kyle Allen and or an Alex Smith to back up, which are two proven uh, quality quarterbacks in this league. They both have wins under their belts for sure. It can or it can be serviceable backups. I think if you pair Mariota with those one of those two or both of them, I think that team works and they just build off of a great year this year. Mariota to Washington. We're calling it now. We're calling it now. That needs to happen. That needs to happen. So that's funny that you and I, (laughs) when I posted that, you went right to Washington because that was the first team that I uh, thought of. Another thing. Another thing. So, so apparently Matthew Stafford is out. 
of Detroit. Mm. I'm just you were just playing matchmaker right now, you know. Send him to yeah. Chicago. You know, just send Matthew Stafford to Chicago. Let's see what happens. Yeah. How old is Matthew Stafford? Do we know? Matthew Stafford. How old, how old is he? He's got to be – he's only 32. I thought he was a little bit older than that, actually. You know, I guarantee you <laughs> we're talking about uh, Marcus Mariota not being super old. And, yeah, okay, so – oh, wow, Mariota's a lot younger than I thought he was. Mariota's only 27. Yeah. I thought he was in his 30s. I thought he was 30. Was he... So the fact that he's 27 is – makes it – Makes that Washington thing feel way more like uh, they need to be looking that way. Right. Now we obviously don't know what the Raiders' intentions are with Marcus I think Mariota, so if they don't want to give him, <laughs> I, I yeah. <laughs> truthfully, think, truthfully, I just uh, think they're going to keep him too. Gruden is sold on Carr because I've been hearing. I don't know if this is fair, but I was hearing from uh, local radio stations here in Sacramento who are close to the situation with being that the Raiders were just in Oakland, so they were obviously covering the, the Raiders, um, that these last couple games were going to be like audition games for if Carr earns a future in Vegas. Do you think that's fair to say, or do you think Gruden is wholeheartedly going into next year with Carr? I don't know. I don't know, because everything, at least publicly, it seems like they have a really good relationship. Um, and Derek's numbers have gotten better each year he's been with Gruden. So I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I think if you're the Raiders, you have Mariota under contract for another year. You might as well keep him. Um, so do I think they're going to trade him? No. Would I like them to trade him? Yes, because I would like them to get some defensive value from Mariota. So that's what I want to happen. But I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. I don't actually think Mariota's going to go to Washington. That's what I want to happen. It'd be so cool. Um, it would be. It really would be. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I don't. Because when you think about it, you technically, I honestly believe, you have the best backup in the entire league. So... You have him under contract for another year. He's not super expensive. So you might as well keep him for now. And then maybe maybe you get a team who's desperate for a quarterback either next year even or this year. I don't know. I think as long as he's on your roster, you have trade value for him. Yeah. You know? So Love it. Love, love the Raiders. I don't fight. know. We'll see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Another team that I wanted to get to or I wanted to ask you about is the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are now number one in the NFC. Do we think that they're the best team in the NFC? Yeah, wholeheartedly. Yeah? Why uh, is it? It's pretty simple, dude. Aaron Rodgers, man. That's your league MVP right there. The dude plays perfect games pretty much every game. They have three losses. So they've lost to the Colts in overtime. They lost to... Tampa, and then they lost to Minnesota. So, I think the Colts won. That's just a close – that happens in the NFL. You lose close games. Minnesota, they ran into Dalvin Cook. Didn't he go for, like, 200-plus on them that day with, like, 
like okay. 80 plus receiving yards. It was something crazy like that. Like they just ran into it. Yeah. Game. Oh yeah. He had four Woo! touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. And then the only game that I look at for green Bay that really stands out is that bucks game because that was by far Aaron's worst performance. And it showed they got blown out. But every other game, Aaron is giving you MVP levels where he's just making every big play, every key throw, controlling games. I think that's what that's the formula. As long as they don't run into the Bucks, <laughs> I think they make it through to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I think Seattle's fallen out of uh contention. I don't. I don't know if I wouldn't. I mean, that's kind of disrespectful to Seattle, but not okay. Well, at least in terms of because I don't even. I wouldn't even. I would maybe put them. I put the Saints ahead of them. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't put the Seahawks as as one or two. I would put them at three. So when I mean fallen, I would have had them a week or two ago as number one or number two. But I don't think they're number one or number two. Um. So I think Green Bay. I think I agree with you. Despite their, yeah, their defense, defense is bad. Despite their defense, not their defense is really bad, and the Saints' defense is not. And they have a good offense. The Saints are probably the more complete team, but the Packers right uh, yeah. now. I don't know. I, I think I agree with you. I think the Packers uh, probably are the best team, but I don't know if it's by much. No, it's just because the I don't defense. know if it's by much. I think Aaron Rodgers gives that team. And this is crazy to say because there's Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady in this conference. But Aaron Rodgers gives you an edge at quarterback against every NFC team. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah, I agree. I think think the team that could give Aaron Rodgers fits in the playoffs if they run into him. Well, actually, (laughs) I don't even want to say just – just the uh, just the Packers, because and I'm going to make this a broader question. I think the team that nobody would want to see in the playoffs right now, and that's assuming Alex Smith gets healthy, is Washington. And I think it's strictly because of their defense. I think Washington has the best defense in that conference. They certainly have the best front line in that conference. Chase Young is arguably the top three player in that entire NFC in the entire NFC. Oh, he's always Washington Nick Bosa on us. Is that what happening? Oh yeah. <laughs> Man, Ohio oh, State, yeah. What do they do? Do they just like inject? Uh, uh, what's it? What's it? What's it called? What's the, um, what's the metal from Marvel? The black Panther vibranium. Do they just inject vibranium, vibranium yeah. into these dudes veins to make the best defensive lineman? in the country. Man, I wish, yeah. can we get Dom back on? Can he verify that for us? <laughs> I know. Well, the thing is, you know, we're talking about the NFC and the Packers being the best team in the NFC. And so I'm looking at the potential playoff picture, you know, right now you have the saints, the Packers, the Seahawks, Washington, all in, then you have the Rams and then you have the bucks. And then you have your seventh team, which right Cardinals. now I believe is the Cardinals. Yeah. You look at Washington, and it's kind of funny, but I feel like Washington would have a good chance of giving every single one of those teams 
a run uh, for their money. It, as it sits today, I think, I think Washington doesn't match well against the Rams. I know it's really hard to say because the Rams just lost to the Jets, but we gotta we gotta like look at it in their totality. The Rams are the best defense in the NFC. It's been that way. Yeah, it's been you that think? way the whole year. Uh, we've been talking about, we've been raving about it. Uh, and especially if Aaron, if Alex Smith doesn't come back, even if Alex Smith is there, Washington does not have an explosive enough offense to compete with the Rams' defense. Well. You know what's funny is I'm looking at the AFC and I'm looking at the NFC, and I actually think that the AFC and the NFC are are polar opposites for for how they're shaped. I think the AFC, you look at the teams who are in the AFC, and I see explosive offenses. I see the Bills. I see Mm -hmm. the Chiefs. I see the Steelers, who can be explosive. I see the Browns, who can be explosive. Yeah, the Titans. I see the Ravens, who can be explosive. Hell, even the Colts can be explosive. But I don't see a lot of really stout defenses Indeed. minus the Steelers and yeah. minus Indy, right? Yeah. My, just those two. You come over to they the NFC defenses. and you have yeah. Washington and you have the Rams and you have Saints. the Bears and you have the Saints and you have the Bucks. So they're kind of interesting in the way that the AFC and the NFC are built because I think the AFC is definitely more offensive-driven uh, and while the NFC doesn't have uh, slacker offenses by any stretch of the imagination, they have the better defenses. Yeah, yeah I think the NFC – we've said this last year. The NFC had just all-around better quality teams. And I think it's still the same this year. Even if, if you look record-wise – and uh, I think it's unfair that we didn't mention Miami in the good defenses because their defense just creates – That's points. true, yeah. Any way it can. That's true. They're very opportunistic. But their offense is doggy doo doo. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. But, like Seattle even has, we know what Russell Wilson and that offensive cap- is capable of with all of their players healthy and seemingly everyone is. I don't think Chris Carson got injured this last week, but even if he did, they had Carlos Hyde who, had a, who ripped off a 50 yard touchdown. Uh, their defense is coming together with their defensive line after they added Carlos Dunlap and they still have Bobby Wagner and they got Jamal Adams hopefully coming back and yada, yada, yada. Like that, that team's coming together. And we got the Saints. All they need is to figure out Drew Brees because he looked doggy doo-doo dog shit yesterday. Well, okay, in the first in the first like quarter Dude, he, looked, he looked bad, but mind you, he... He looked like he needed to retire at halftime like Monte Davis did. Dude, let's let's... We also have to mention that Drew Brees just came off of a punctured lung and eleven cracked ribs. Uh, so I don't. I I'm think sorry. didn't it say it's he was what, fully healthy yesterday? Oh, dude. Okay, I'm sorry, but if you step away for like two, three weeks, there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period. A bit. So how of long an is adjustment that adjustment period? period? Does it last the, till the first round of the playoffs? probably just that game? Probably just that game. He still threw for three touchdowns. They only lost by three points. Jason, Jason, just saying, just saying, look, and I will look, I know I will come to Drew Brees' aid and support anytime I can, but you can't expect a guy to come back from 11 cracked ribs, one punctured lung at that age, and all of a sudden still be swinging it like he normally does. Give him no, a game. I'm just saying he didn't look like Drew Brees. I have such 
gaudy expectations for how Drew Brees plays because I've seen him just pick apart defenses for what, like close to 15 years now? Something like that. Yeah. And it was just weird that he was just missing. So is it if it's because of the injury, then he shouldn't have been out there. Then they should have had Taysom Hill out there because I feel like Taysom Hill was better than what we saw yesterday. I don't know. I don't know if Taysom Hill would have given you 29 points against the Chiefs. There's also this fact that um, Alvin Kamara is just so much better when Drew Brees is in the lineup. Yeah. So that's I, – I think that was pretty concerning for New Orleans. Um, Kansas City was up by, I feel like, 10 most of that game. They were pretty, they were pretty in control. That Kansas City team is so good. The fact that they're 13-1 and one is crazy. That they're just sweeping by all these close – like, they're the one team that it feels like hasn't had a hiccup. Like, yeah, they, they took a loss right. to the best game that the, the Las Vegas Raiders could ever possibly play. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah, yeah we'll put our hands up. Like, we didn't get blown out. But, yeah, like, they're, they're just the one team that seems like they don't have a hiccup. Well, it's funny because it seems like – Recently, all of the teams that the Chiefs are playing, they're showing up to play against the Chiefs. So, like, the Panthers, it was a two-point game. The Raiders, four-point game. The Bucks, three-point game. The Broncos was an eight-point game. The Dolphins was a six-point game. And the Saints were a three-point game. Now, you would expect in the course of six weeks for close games like that, that maybe they lose one of them because, you know, end of the – you know, end of the game, late game scenarios, anything could happen, but they're not, they're not. They just refuse to lose. And it seems like every team that is coming up against the chiefs is throwing them their best punch and the chiefs just absorb it and, and keep going for the mere fact that they just are, they're just better than everybody else. That's it. Their offense and Patrick Mahomes, they're just better than whatever your a game is. It's not good enough. So you're going to need something extra to beat them. You're going to need like an A++ game, which doesn't really exist. The Raiders had it on – what week was that? Five, six? I don't know, like six or something like that. Six, seven, or eight, somewhere around there. But you're going to – but what I mean by that is you're going to need like – you're going to need the Chiefs to beat themselves, really. Because I know that the Raiders beat the Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes, I think, I don't know how many interceptions he had that game, but the Chiefs turned the ball over, I think, at least twice in that game. And the Raiders didn't, like, the Raiders won the turnover battle that game. So you're going to need the Chiefs to play a part in beating themselves in order to beat the Chiefs. Because I don't think you're just going to beat them straight um, Those last couple close games. Just the uh, yeah. bonus. So we'll go. Yeah, so we'll go the past six weeks because the seventh week they played the Jets and they <laughs> clobbered them. So two points, two yeah. point win over the Panthers, four right. point win over the Raiders, three point win over the Bucks, eight point win over the Broncos, six point win over the Dolphins, three point so they win have wins over, the over New Orleans playoff team, Miami playoff team, Tampa yep. Bay playoff team. Raiders, at the time, we thought we were riding real high on the Raiders. 
Well, and the thing is, too, is that they've given the Chiefs they two really, really, well really tough the games. They just, yeah, they play really well games. against the Chiefs. That's five quality wins in that span. Like, they're not taking a week off. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're just, again, you're going to need, you're going to need the Chiefs to play a part in beating them, uh, in beating themselves in order for you to get them. So, um, and then the other, the other two quick things that we can hit on real quick before we get to the, a little NBA preview is, do we take anything in the Jets win over the Rams? Like in terms of the like, Rams, do you look at the Rams? No, I don't look yes. at them any differently. Except for the fact that Jared Goff is not who we thought he was, really. Like, I feel like right. he's not a elite quarterback by any stretch. He's not a first-tier quarterback. He's not a second-tier quarterback. I think he's a third-tier quarterback. That's I think that's yeah. all you can really say about. What if you said Mario to the Rams with Sean? I don't <laughs> think they improve at all. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I feel like really McVay's getting out everything he can get with Goff and Mariota. I feel like Mariota has a le- definitely is less accurate than Goff, right? Truthfully, I don't know. I haven't. I think he is. I, and from the game that Mariota played the other day, he looked pretty accurate. Okay, to me. so we need to mention that too. The fact the fact that Mariota went in and had that much success can be attributed to one Chargers defense isn't playing the best football this year. Two, no, they were they supposed to be of, really good, and they've they just have been kind of great players on that team. They just haven't been playing well. They next year they should be good. Next year, I mean, next year they should, they could be eight and eight. Let's be honest, that's good for the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. But <laughs> sorry, Brendan, but. Mariota comes in, he's the backup. So the Chargers defense isn't practicing and scheming against Mariota all week. Well, yeah, and it's not like you have a Derek Carr copy. You have a, somebody like who's going to run. It's a completely different play style. And it was good on John Gruden. This is why I don't get why he's getting so much flack for them uh, flaming, flaming out in the second half of seasons two years in a row. I feel like that's really not John Gruden's fault that their defense can't stop anyone. No, their defense is the sole problem right now of their team. There are so many games that they just have been let down because their defense just couldn't it was, stop it's anybody. It's so cool to see that John, as the play caller, an elite play caller in this league, no doubt, that is undisputable that John Gruden is one of the best offensive coaches in this in football. He flips sure. the play, this, their play style around on a dime for Mariota. They're running – Read options. Oh, read options. Popping off for 20, 30 plus runs. It's like, this is, where have these plays been? Can Derek Carr not run a read option? <laughs> not not in the way that Mario did. Power. He's running through people. Bro, it was, yeah. it was good. Great on Mariota. All the credit to him. Uh, great player deserves more chances. But when you, when you, you look at that performance, we can't go too much into, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be a pro bowler next year because the Chargers had a game plan for him and it was just completely 
knew. There was no pressure at all in the situation either. Well, he gets Miami next week. Cool so, I don't, they're the Saturday night. I don't, I don't think John Gruden. I, gosh, that's the thing. I don't get why people are wanting John Gruden to leave. You I don't either. Keep the business. Of the I don't chance. either. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so before we wrap everything up on the NFL talk, we have uh, some order of business to is take care of in terms of picks. Um, uh, it really Woo! is. Sam took the season. Woo! Sam took the season. Me. He, uh, it's five and nine, and it may be five and ten had we had picked last week. Um, but so I guess, do you yeah, want to just pick for fun or? All right, we'll pick for I'm fun. Go we'll just like go right through it really quickly. Unorthodox. <laughs> okay, uh, Vikings. Save. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Vikings. Oh, that's what I was we just do. go I'm different on every like single game, as many as possible. Okay, then I'll take. Since you're taking the Vikings over the Saints, no, I'll take the no, Lions over the Bucks. Do that. No, no, no we gotta go different on every game. No, go Bucks. Yes, we do. No, because you're gonna pick the 49ers, which is gonna <laughs> so be wrong, wrong, and then I'm gonna pick the Cardinals. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna so I'm gonna get that game back. So we're okay. Okay. So we'll keep rolling. Dolphins Raiders. Give I'll pick the, the Raiders. Give me the Finns. They're gonna squeak out again. They I I predict. Put this in put this just write this down, listeners, because it's gonna be right. Dolphins will score more defensive touchdowns than offensive touchdowns and end up winning the game. <laughs> You know, I laughed at it, but it's not the worst. Uh, and defense and special hot teams take for count. The weekend. There you go. That's, come on, you guys got to give me that. Okay, fine. Giants, Ravens. Oh, give me the Ravens. Okay. Okay. Well, then, if you get the Ravens, then Against... I get the Chiefs. The Falcons. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what we're yeah, that's, yeah, We'll just me, go alternate. We'll alternate on who we want. <laughs> okay, so now your turn. You get you get to pick between the Panthers oh, and Washington. Washington. Okay, well then I get the Panthers. Come on, Panthers! All right, so I will take the Browns over that's the good, Jets. That's a good one, right there. Then I get I get the Bears. All right, so you Jaguars. get the. All right, so you get the Bears. Against the Jaguars. All right. So then I get the – oh, God. Um, I'll take the Texans over the Bengals. That's a good one. Take the Texans over the Bengals. So now you get the Colts There's and the Steelers. games. Colts-Steelers? Oh, I don't want to do that one. Can I take the Bills over the Patriots on Monday night? Oh, God. So, so then the other the... ones are just flip them, Shoot. I feel like. Or the other ones are, like, so close. Jeez. Uh, um, I'll take the Steelers okay. over the Colts. Like so you can have the Colts. Um, we have Broncos and Chargers, so that'll Give be yours, you pick. So the Broncos won this game last time. Give me the Chargers. <laughs> okay, so Sam's got the Chargers over the Broncos. I'll take oh, Cowboys and the Eagles. What? Give me the okay. Eagles. That's a tight Give game. me the Eagles over the Cowboys. 
Give me the give me um, the Packers over the Titans. Also, you want the Derrick Henry's oh, gonna Derrick Henry's going for two hundred plus. And then give me the Seahawks over the okay. Rams. I was gonna take the Rams anyway. And there we go. Okay, well then there we go. We should do this every week. Every week that I already sewed up the championship. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, there's our picks. So we're opposite on uh, everything. I'm excited for this weekend. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. I'm excited for the NBA to start. Let's go, baby. So I'm on a website right now called Sporting News, and they have NBA predictions 20 20 to 21, final standings, playoff predictions, and NBA finals pick. Now, for everybody everybody who's listening, we're going to have Josh back on sometime in the near future, whether it's next week or the week after, really do a deep dive into the NBA, do like an NBA episode. So we're going to keep this short and sweet, but I just want to – Bring this up because the NBA is starting on Christmas, which, by the way, Sam and I called well, like six months ago. Tomorrow. When you guys listen to this, the NBA is starting. Technically, yes. But we were we had always sort of – as soon as they announced the bubble and we started talking about the next season, you and I were both on the same page in terms of they're you not going to give up Christmas. Just keep patting no ourselves way. on the back. Just keep on patting because this episode is full of true predictions. Oh, it really is. It really is. Speaking of true predictions, let's go into the truth or the not-so-truth of these predictions right, from Sporting me. News. So, they're, they're top t- – now, for everybody who doesn't know how the playoff format is going to work now, the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th mm-hmm. seed are going to have a play-in for the 7th and 8th cool. seed in the playoffs. So, when I read off the – yeah, it's a nice little addition. So, in the Eastern Conference, here's their order. Do you want me to go bottom, give top, the, or top, uh, bottom? Give me the bottom. All right, so number 10, they have the, their playoff, their play in teams. 10, 9, 8, 7 is Orlando, Washington, Atlanta. In no particular Indiana. order? No, so that was 10, 9, 8, 7. So Orlando, 10, Washington, 9, Atlanta, um, 8, I like Indiana, teams. 7. I would have to look at it a little more closely to differ between those teams. I think Orlando's probably the worst of those four. Um, yeah, Washington's interesting so. because Russell Westbrook um, and Bradley Beal's back, and they got Bertans and yada yada yada. Um, I'd probably move Washington to seven ooh, and then drop Indiana nah, to eight and then good, nine, nine to nine. They got Turner, Indiana's Oladipo, good, yeah, but and uh, Brogdon still. I think they're solid eight. Who? What were the other two teams? Uh, Indiana was seven. Atlanta was eight. Washington. I think was Atlanta, nine, Atlanta gets seven. to the seven. Indiana eight. Washington nine. Orlando ten. That's what I would do. Gotcha. So then there are six locks for the playoffs: are Toronto okay. at six, Philly at yeah. five, Miami at four, Brooklyn at three. Boston at two nah, and Milwaukee put, at one. You got Brooklyn above Boston. Yeah, Katie. I, Katie I think so, so too, especially with <laughs> he does. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat, and he Kyrie does. um looks like he's 
having a good time in his role. And they they have Karis LeVert coming off the bench. Dude, Karis LeVert should, could be an all-star yeah. in this league. And he's coming off the bench for this team. That was like when... That was like when James Harden. They got Dinwiddie like doing nothing. They got um, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan to sure up the paint. It's like, and they have Joe Harris, who they locked up. Like this team is deep. Mm -hmm. That's the best roster in the East. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I think the Nets are at least the number two, if not the number one team in the East. Perception they're number one. But Milwaukee is such a good regular season team. That they'll get the 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 number one seed. Well, we also got to take into account that you know the Nets problem. There's probably going to be a little bit for of sure. a gelling period for Brooklyn. They're going to be better at Game Thirty than they are at Game One. Every team yeah. is. I know that's a duh thing to say, but with yeah, but with you know the superstars that they have on their team who are still ball dominant and haven't played with each other before. You know, there are teams. There are teams like Where Miami. They They've Miami? all played with each other before. So, four. Oof. I I feel like they can't move up though. It's just so, like based off of purely based off the regular season. I well, I guess we'll see what Boston looks like. They lost Gordon Hayward, but they Gordon played the Hayward majority of the season injured. without Gordon Hayward anyway. Yeah. So. yeah oh, no so. love for uh, no love for um, But like. No, they're way down at 12. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like I said, I mean, every team is going to be better yep. at game 30 than they are at game one. But, like, Miami, they've mm-hmm. all played with each other. They just right. came off of a, a title run together. Brooklyn's a little bit different because they have some new players coming in. So there's a different sort of It is also period. interesting to say that um, I think Brooklyn might actually, for that reason, well, not for the jelly reason, but because they didn't go deep – into the bubble, they actually had somewhat closer to a normal offseason than some of the other teams. I feel like the Lakers are going to come out slow for that reason, that they went so deep into the playoffs that it's going to – that LeBron and AD and these guys that play big minutes, they they didn't get a chance to have a normal offseason to really take care of their bodies. Right. That's true. That's true. Um. So let's move on to the Western Conference, and I'll go okay. ten, nine, eight, seven for you. Yeah. Memphis at ten, New Orleans at nine, yeah. Golden State at eight, and Phoenix um, at I seven. I would put Memphis above New Orleans, and that's that's it. That's the only change I'd make. I would too. I think I have to agree. I might move Golden State to yeah. seven and flip Phoenix to eight, but I definitely think Golden Memphis State. is better than nine. I watched both games that Sacramento played against them. Um, and, yes, it was the preseason. Steph Curry balled out. But he balled out, and they still ended up, like, struggling against the Kings. And the Kings are trash. So if they're struggling against the Kings, yeah. then they're going to have a tough time this year. That's Just without Clay Thompson, they're going to have a tough time. They might. They might. Um. All right, so we'll go on to six through one. So six, they have Portland. Mm-hmm. Five, they have Utah. Four, they have Dallas. Three, they have the Clippers. Two, they have Denver. And one, they have Sacramento. Los Angeles oh, is way dude, down at 14. Perfect. So 
Right. I've moved. No, for everybody who's <laughs> if you didn't pick up on the joke, which I'm sure everybody did, the Lakers Portland are one, two, four. I'd put Dallas five, Utah six. Um, I'd flip. I'd. I'd I have no gripes with that. The Clippers in Denver again, and keep Utah or I mean uh, the Lakers at number one. I think I have to agree with everything. I you just, just love said. it when we're just in Truthfully. sync like this. Truthfully, I think I agree. And then they have Sacramento as the second to last. If team, you look at the way, roster, yeah. The so let's, real quickly, what's the floor to ceiling for Sacramento this year? Yeah, what's their floor to ceiling that you think they could get to if they, all things go well? I I agree with Ten. that. <laughs> and then the floor is the worst team. The number who's, one wait, uh, the pick in the, in the draft. Thunder? Yeah, okay. That makes Oklahoma. Sense. <laughs> the, yeah, they have the Spurs at 13. Where's Houston? Which, oh, it's so sad for me to see. It. Like, 11. Man, Houston makes it. Dude, Houston. They have as a lottery team. You know, I could see them. Passing John maybe Memphis or New Orleans. Look good. Yeah, and He's James Harden's yeah. still there He's still for there. now. He's reluctantly yeah, there. For now. Yeah. He's, He's still, still like moving around and stuff. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, like I said, we're going to do a deeper dive into the NBA with Josh when yeah. he comes on either this week or next week. So we'll really get into a full breakdown of the NBA and we'll give our predictions. It's probably one of my favorite pastimes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So we'll really we'll really dive deep into like season awards and what we think the predictions are going to be for the playoffs and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, so the NBA is starting. The NBA is back. Yep. Very happy about that. And you know who's also very happy this weekend is, I'm assuming, Tiger Woods because he got to play with his son in a tournament. And I know Sam was really high on uh, oh, talking so cool. about this. I, with I Sam wish before the PGA Tour would do more events like this. So it was a father-son event. So you had Justin Thomas playing with his dad. You had um, – who else did you have? You had uh, John Daly playing with his son. You just had, like, had all, a bunch of like really cool pairings. Um, it'd be cool if they did this on Father's Day weekend, but yeah, sidetrack. Uh, so Tiger Woods yeah. gets to play with his son, Charlie, who's 11. And I'm going to tell you right now, he would beat Ben one-on-one. No doubt in my life. Oh, his yeah. swing looks identical to Tiger's. And he's 11 years old. The dude had a solo eagle in this tournament. How cool is that? And they, mm-hmm. the, the team both shoots uh, 10 under on both days. It was a two-day event. They didn't end up winning. Justin Thomas and his dad um, ended up winning. Justin Thomas played unbelievable that day, too. They shot 15 under <laughs> on the second round. That is so cool Yeah, for a tournament. But anyway, so uh, Tiger and Charlie are playing, and Charlie's just got the smoothest swing. His tees are obviously up because – He's 33 years younger than his father, so he's obviously not going to play the same tees that his father is. And he's playing a televised event 
at 11 years old, and he's not topping the ball. He's not shanking the ball. It is so cool to see. If me and Jason were out there, they would be telling us the rules on how many balls you're allowed to lose in a round. They'd be like, hey, man, you're, yeah. you guys are close to getting penalized for how many balls you're putting in the water. We can't just keep the giving you can't, balls. We can't keep putting the camera on you guys if you're just going to top it into the water every time. We just can't do it. It's so cool. And just the, the last remarks, the game of golf is in good hands, dude. Because this, if this kid comes up oh, yeah. with the best equipment, the best teacher, and not only Tiger, but also Tiger swing coaches, and just the best way to look oh, yeah. at a game of golf from the GOAT. And he's start, he started at such a young age, and he's already at such a high level. It's like he's the next when he comes up. It's so cool to see. I don't want to, I don't want to put that kind of pressure like, on the guy, but like, it's so cool to see a kid have so much success. And he like doesn't miss putts. Did you watch him putt? He like okay, never I'm misses. I'm gonna get a little softy-ish thing. The relationship with his father was the cutest thing. Every time Charlie did something, his dad was there like, nice swing. Hey, great swing, Charlie. Oh, great putt. Good roll. And you're getting that from not only Tiger Woods, who's the greatest golfer of all time, and he's back there telling you that you're doing something well, but it's also your dad. It's just so, oh my God, it just breaks a freaking tear to my heart, Jason. It's just the cutest thing. I just watched him. Uh, I just watched him nail a good 10, 15 foot putt, and he did the whole. And he did the. He was uh, walking in bump. putts, <laughs> like the uh... two. Like he knew. He oh knew yeah, they were dead on, and they wore matching outfits. Are we joking? Yeah. No. I, they, hope, uh, they, I hope they do this every. They year. crushed it. I just again. Yeah, he uh, he's a baller, and he would kick oh, the crap sure. out of you, me, and Ben. Yeah, we're going golfing today. He would if he would he beat had the brakes one off arm tied behind his back. He'd still beat the brakes off of us. Yeah, it uh, and it was cool because Tiger like let him like sometimes like play the hole they like used, by himself. Yeah, like almost. they they used his drives every hole because he was up so far and he was hitting the fairway every mm-hmm. time. Yeah, like I just watched this par three and. It was uh, – no, I think it was a par four, and they just birdied. They birdied a lot of things. <laughs> so so cool to see. They did. They did. Just a nice he, uh, little heartwarming, he was less balling. serious topic he, for the show. Every time he swings, he doesn't even watch his drive. He, like, swings, peeks at it, and goes, yeah, I'm good. And then, <laughs> like, I, I, I've watched – I have watched – I've been sitting here watching it while we've been talking. And so I, I will give you play-by-play. Swing one, two. He looks back down. It took him two seconds to look back down at his tee. He knew exactly where it was going every time. Too is every time fully committed to golf. Either he's still playing other sports, and he's that good. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, he's a beast. He's a beast. So, well, that'll do it uh, today for us um, on Nothing to Say, the Fans Podcast. Thank you all so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. We hope that you all 
Have a wonderful and fantastic Christmas with your family and friends, uh, however you choose to celebrate it. And we will see you all. Merry Christmas, guys. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you guys.